Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents part two of the series, The Light of God. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Let me hear you. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, praise God, we've been talking about the light of God, and today it's going to be the light of God part two. You know, last week we, we started a series on the light of God, and in the course of the teaching, we delved into the difference between natural light and the supernatural light of God. This week, I want to delve a little deeper into that, and this time discuss the similarities of natural light and supernatural light, and then highlight the differences. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to do a comparison where we highlight similarities and differences of natural light and the supernatural light of God. Amen. It'll be fun, and it might stretch you a little, especially when we start talking about some of the physics involved. All right? Praise the Lord. But trust me, as I always do, when I go down the science path, I will attempt to bring it down to a bottom line, something that is easy for everyone to grasp. So take a deep breath and relax. Amen. So let's talk about natural light and the supernatural light of God. We'll begin by reading our core scripture, James 1.17, the one we've been using as our launch point for our discussion. James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. I have spent years studying this verse, so every time I read it, I can't help but say, Amen. So, what we're going to do is we're going to give you five points or five topics of discussion that compare natural light with the supernatural light of God. So, number one. Natural light and the light of God have the same father. Amen. He is clearly, as we can tell from James 1.17, he is clearly the author of all forms of light, whether natural or supernatural. That's why James refers to God as the father of lights and not the father of light. Because there's different kinds of light. Amen. But this brings up an obvious difference when we stop and think about it. Although natural light and supernatural light have the same father, the same origin, they are fundamentally different in one respect. Natural light is a created thing, but the light of God has always existed and always will exist because it is eternal. Amen. Hallelujah. Number two, natural light comes from both point and extended sources. Put up that point source and extended source slide. Okay, I'm not going to, I know somebody's already gone cross-eyed on me. Just hang with me here. All right. On the top there, you have a point source. A point source, scientifically speaking, is a source whose dimensions are, are small relative to the distance you are from that source. Even the sun, which is huge, 
because it's 93 million miles away, its dimensions appear to be small compared to our distance from it. So even the sun can be considered to be a point source of light. Amen. So can a street light. So can a flashlight. Okay. All right. An extended source is a source that is wide with respect to your distance from it. And it casts a shadow also, but it casts a shadow which is fuzzy on the edges. Amen. And I won't get into umbra and penumbra. Okay. Just know this. Point sources cast a very defined shadow and extended sources, they cast a very fuzzy shadow. All right. But the bottom line is this. All forms of natural light do cast some kind of shadow. But according to James, God's light casts no shadow at all. That's why he says he's the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God's light is so amazing that it doesn't even create darkness in a shadow. Amen. Now, I don't completely understand that, but I do believe it because it's in the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Paul had a testimony, very similar concept, where he was recounting his testimony to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. And Paul said this in verse 13. He said, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Now, I bet you that if the apostle Paul had the state of mind to check his feet, he would have seen that he was not casting a shadow. That's because God's light is a little different. It can be a point source. And it can be all around you at the same time, coming from all directions at the same time. Therefore, it does not cast a shadow. Again, I do not purport to completely understand that, but I do believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I saw a surfer's testimony years ago. The surfer got stung by some deadly jellyfish and he died. He made a confession you know, that Jesus was Lord right before he went to be with Jesus. And he was standing on a cloud talking to Jesus. And they were debating whether or not he should come into heaven or go back. And the Lord left it up to him. He said, my Episcopal mom was praying for my salvation, Lord. And if I go now, she'll never know that I made it into the kingdom. And it'll cause her grief. So I want to go back. But the other thing about the testimony that blessed me, besides the fact that I grew up Episcopal, was the fact that he looked at his feet when he was talking with Jesus, and he looked at the feet of Jesus, and he observed that there was a light shining from heaven. He could see the city, the holy city. He could see heaven, and he could see what looked like a point source of light shining onto Jesus and shining onto him. And yet when he looked down, Jesus wasn't casting a shadow and he wasn't casting a shadow. And he asked the Lord, what's going on? And the Lord said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Not even in a shadow. Amen. Glory to God. Woo, I felt the anointing on that. Praise the Lord. That's first John one five. All right. I'm going real fast here. So this is 
liable to be a very short message. But that's okay. You know, hit it and quit it. You know, hit them hard and let them go. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me back up a little bit and talk about point sources and extended sources because I still want to stretch you a little bit. While point sources cast a more precise shadow, an extended source casts a shadow that is fuzzier on the edges. But as I said, the bottom line is this natural light always casts some sort of shadow. So when you talk about the supernatural light of God, you got to start thinking differently. Since the Bible declares that God in some humanoid form sits on his throne in heaven, technically speaking, his light can be thought of as emanating from a point source. Since God can both sit on his throne in heaven and be present everywhere at once through the Holy Spirit, it seems to me that God's light emanates from a point source on planet heaven and from what I call, now just hang with me, an infinitely extended source all at the same time. In other words, God is sitting on a throne in his humanoid spiritual form, but he's also everywhere at once through the Holy Spirit. So he can be a point source of light and an extended source an infinitely extended source of light at the same time. All right. There will be a test on this after the service. (laughs) Have I confused anybody? Don't answer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, God's light comes from his throne in heaven and yet comes from all directions at once, all at the same time. Glory to God. So while natural light always casts some kind of shadow, God's light casts no shadow at all. And as I said before, that's why James says he's the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And that's a reference to a sundial. You know, the sun tracks across the horizon and the shadow on the dial moves according to the position of the sun as it tracks across the horizon. Now, we know the sun is not actually moving. It's us that is rotating. We're rotating And the sun appears to be moving across the horizon. So that's what he's talking about. Amen. Glory to God. All right. I got all that out of my system. (laughs) Number three, natural light and God's light both bring illumination. Natural light brings natural illumination either by celestial objects like the sun, the moon, the stars, or by man-made objects like uh, flashlights, car lights, house lights, etc., which emit light. Natural light is used to see or read things in the natural realm. Isn't that right? But the light of God is different in this respect in that it can illuminate things in the natural realm and it can also illuminate things in the supernatural realm, in the realm of the Spirit. Amen. Now, Genesis 1, 1 through 3 is an example of what I call natural illumination by supernatural means. And I'll tell you what I mean by that after we read the scripture. Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Amen. Most people don't realize when they read that scripture that the sun would not be created until four days later. So there was no natural source of light 
to bring warmth and heat and light and life to the earth. So on day three, when God made the grass and the trees, he had to bring some sort of light and life to it so that it would survive. Amen. So it says, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And the light being referred to there is the supernatural light of God. Has nothing to do with the sun because, as I said, the sun's not even created until you get to verse 17. Amen. Day four. Glory to God. So the natural earth was temporarily illuminated by the supernatural light of God until he had time to create the sun. And then I believe he turned his light off and let the sun do its job. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, I call this spiritual illumination by supernatural means. Spiritual illumination by supernatural means. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Amen. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, that's King James. Some translations say the darkness was not able to overcome it. Young's literal translation says it like this, and the light in the darkness did shine, and the darkness did not perceive it. The darkness did not perceive it, did not comprehend it, was not able to overcome it because the light was coming and it was going to dispel the darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, John tells us that all of this happened in the beginning so that can you see that John is talking about the very same supernatural light of God that Moses wrote about in Genesis when he said, God said, let there be light and there was light. He's talking about the same light that shined in the beginning that brought natural life, natural heat, natural warmth to the natural earth. Amen? Hallelujah. So he shifts from talking about natural illumination by supernatural means to spiritual illumination by supernatural means right here. He says in verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. How many know the light is talking about Jesus? How many know, if you want to get down to it, Jesus was the agent of creation in the beginning. He was the one that created everything. Amen. Hallelujah. He was the word and he was the word in action. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. By means of the light, spiritual illumination comes so that you have the ability to believe that Jesus is Lord. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And listen to this verse here. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Whether you realize it or not, the light of God shines inside the heart of every man and woman that's ever been born on this planet. Romans chapter 1 refers to this concept and says that 
that men who stand before God will be without excuse because they were given an innate sense of the internal God on the inside of them. That's that light, that divine spark that is there. If they will yield to it, that light will give them the ability and the faith to believe that Jesus is Lord. Amen. No one will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know you existed. We talked about this last week. I know I've been in combat, and I can guarantee you there are no atheists when the bombs start flying and the bullets start flying. I can tell you from experience, everybody wants prayer. Everybody wants to talk to God, you know, uh, because on the inside, in the heart of their heart, they know there is a God. So I'm here to tell you, I'm going to say it out loud. I said it last week. When an atheist says, I don't believe in God, I don't believe God exists, He's lying to you because when he's alone with his thoughts in his heart of hearts, when he lays his head on his pillow at night, he knows there is a God. Otherwise, why would God hold him accountable and said, you, O oh man, have no excuse. Did you examine my creation? Did you look at the glory of the stars in the universe? Did you look at all that? Did you listen to the voice on the inside crying out? I am he that created all of this. I am the living God. And the answer is going to be, no, I didn't, Lord. Sad. How sad to slip into the bowels of hell knowing that God was real and God was alive and having so much pride you refused to yield to him. I can't think of a sadder scenario. Amen. Not amen to that happening to people, but amen, the word of God is true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here in this passage, pardon my rabbit trail there. You know, sometimes you go down a rabbit trail and you catch some juicy rabbits. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Here in this passage, John makes the point that the same supernatural light that provided light to the natural world in the beginning is also able to bring spiritual illumination to the heart of man. All right. Y'all filled yet? Any oozing out of the ears i don't see any smoke yet all right number four natural light that is visible to the naked eye is only part of a larger energy spectrum put up the electromagnetic spectrum slide everybody's running for cover right now aren't you hallelujah all i want you to see is in this depiction of natural sources of energy and electromagnetic radiation. You've got longer wavelengths and lower frequency on the right, and you've got shorter wavelengths and higher frequency on the left. But the thing that I want you to see of all the different kinds of energy, you've got radio waves on the right-hand side, microwave, infrared radiation, then you've got visible light, and then you've got ultraviolet light, and then you've got x-rays and gamma rays, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But of all that spectrum, the visible light spectrum is a very small part of the overall electromagnetic spectrum. It only covers wavelengths from 400 nanometers to 700 nanometers. That's all we can see. But right now, I can tell you, this room is being bathed by electromagnetic radiation that you cannot see. Radio waves, television waves, they're coming in here. Amen? And if you had the right kind of receiver, 
you could pick up on it. Amen. Hallelujah. My daughter's still laughing about the nanometers. I got my Ph.D. in micro and nanosystems engineering, so I'm comfortable talking about things very, very small. All right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I said all of that to say this, and I wanted you to see a picture to illustrate that visible natural light is only a small fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum. Other types of energy which cannot be seen with the naked eye can, however, be felt as warmth and heat. I believe the light of God is similar. Listen to me. Stay with me. Perhaps there is an electromagnetic spectrum or an equivalent in the spirit realm which measures and describes the various types of energy that emanate from God. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll find out. But sometimes, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can see the visible light of God's energy spectrum. And when we do, we can see other things in the spirit realm. The Bible talks about a gift there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. And one of the gifts mentioned there is discerning of spirits. You break it down, it actually means seeing into the spirit realm. Okay? And I've operated many times in that gift. So when you're able to see the light of God, you're able to see things in the supernatural realm of God. You follow that? Amen. Let me share a personal example. When Jesus appeared to me for the first time in a vision, this was back in April of 1985, there was an amber glow that enveloped the room the whole time he was there. And it appeared to be coming from all directions at once. Amen. Just like the Bible kind of describes. Just like we talked about earlier. But my point is, because of that light, I was able to see Jesus and the angel that was with him. Amen. And I don't want to go into any more detail. I can share with you offline if you have questions about that vision. And I believe it was the light of God that manifested as an amber glow all around me that allowed me to see into the spirit realm that particular morning. Amen. Let's look at a scriptural example. Second Kings six seventeen. Elisha and his servant are in the city of Dothan. And the enemy comes and they surround the city of Dothan with horses and chariots and infantry. Verse 17 says, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Because his servant was freaking out because of the army that had surrounded the city. What are we going to do? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Woohoo! They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So stay with me here. We're going to talk about natural light and just, I believe you'll get this. When we see objects in the natural light of day, we are actually seeing the reflected light of the sun or the lights in a room which bounce off a person or an object and make them visible to us. You're seeing the reflected light of that person when you see that person. That's why you're able to capture it in photographs and in video. It's reflected light, and that can be captured. Amen? Perhaps it's the same in the spirit or supernatural realm. 
And what we see there is the reflected light of God off of objects and beings that we see in that realm. Same kind of deal. Other times, we may not see the visible light of God, but just like with the natural spectrum, we can experience the energy of God manifesting in other ways as warmth and heat. How many have ever prayed for somebody, laid hands on somebody, and you felt the heat of God on your hand? You know what I'm talking about. That's God's electromagnetic spectrum at work, but not in a visible realm. You feel it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's a perfect segue into the last point of comparison. Hallelujah. Let's begin with a scripture that illustrates the point. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. Another awesome light scripture. This is King James. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. Now listen to it in the message translation. This is awesome. But for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name, healing, radiating from its wings. You'll be bursting with energy like colts, frisky and frolicking, and you'll tromp on the wicked. There'll be nothing but ashes under your feet on that day. God of the angel armies says so. Amen to that, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So number five, again, natural light and God's light are forms of radiation. Now, don't shout me down because you don't understand yet. Just listen to me. In this verse here, especially in the message, it comes out real strong. Here we see that the sun, S-U-N, is a source of solar radiation, including visible natural light. But it's also a type of the sun, S-O-N, who is a source of godly radiation, which includes visible supernatural light. Amen. That lends credence to my belief that the spirit realm may have its own electromagnetic spectrum or some type of equivalent. More importantly... This godly radiation brings healing to anyone who honors the name of the Son of God, causing them to burst forth with energy and causing them to trample wicked spirits under their feet. Glory to God. You know, sometimes when you're sick, it's a spirit of infirmity. Not always. Usually it's probably some natural thing because we live in a fallen world. You're subject to germs and viruses and bacteria and things like that. But sometimes it's an actual spirit that's causing you to be sick. The Bible says, if you'll honor the name of the Son of God, His healing radiation will drive out everything that's evil in your body. Every speck of sickness. Every demonic spirit that may be behind it in the name of Jesus. You'll trample them under feet. And if you like this sort of thing, you'll frolic through the pasture like a calf that's been set loose. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And unlike natural radiation treatments, which are gamma rays, which are used to kill cancer cells, but also kill healthy normal cells, 
and sometimes the patient. Godly radiation kills only cancer cells and brings health and life and energy to every other cell in a person's body. Amen. All 10 trillion of them. You have in a single human body approximately 10 trillion cells. And I like to think about it like this. Every morning I say this over myself. Romans 8.11 says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He dwells on the inside of me. I got a Holy Ghost source of radiation on the inside of me that's burning into every cell of my body, every organ, every system, and driving out every speck of sickness, disease, and pain in the name of Jesus. I visualize that Holy Ghost reactor on the inside of me actually having healing radiating wings just like malachi said and those beams of light hitting every one of my 10 trillion cells and not killing them but making them better making them stronger making them healthier making them more efficient in the name of jesus hallelujah if you didn't get anything out of what i said about natural light and supernatural light at least get this part you have the same spirit that created the universe. You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living and burning and thriving on the inside of you. All you got to do is let him get from your spirit, penetrating your soul, get through doubt and unbelief and get to those cells of your body so that you'll be completely transformed and healed. It's just a state of mind. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. So let me conclude by saying that's enough for this session. But I'm officially releasing a nerd all points bulletin, a nerd APB, if you will, for next week. Because next week we'll be exploring the topic of how the physics of natural light prevent faster than light travel, but the physics of God's light do not. Amen to that. Glory to God. How many want to travel faster than the speed of light? Glory to God. You're going to do it one day, whether you realize it or not. If, if we're alive when the Lord comes and we get raptured, guess what? We're going to span about 14 billion light years, by my reckoning, in an instant. You can't do that if you can't go faster than light. So there's got to be a way to do it. You just have to do it in the spirit realm. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Let me leave you with this. In the meantime, while you contemplate Einstein's time dilation equation, in the meantime, Matthew 5, 16 says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. We hope you enjoyed part two of today's message titled, The Light of God. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>